do you think pickled eggs would be gross? Honestly, I've never eaten... Some- there were different flavors, too, of the pickle. I've never eaten something pickled that wasn't a pickle. So I don't know what that, like... <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, I've never had, like, pickled carrots or anything, so I don't know what pickling does have you, to Have you had uh, pickled onions before? I've only had pickled pickles. Dude. Let, I, let me remind you. Pickled onions on tacos? Game changer. Uh, mm. So good. Yeah, I've only... I don't know. I don't know what... How does pickling affect the flavor? I don't know. How would it affect an egg? It just seems it like it would be gross. It. <laughs> like, I... Meh. I'm not really sure. Honestly, I haven't eaten a pickle since I was, like, four. Really? I, like... I don't you, They gross me out. You haven't had pickles, like, on a sandwich or, like... No. Not on, like, a well, burger? Well, okay. I usually take them out, but... Really? I I have... You and my... At some point. 16-year-old sister. <laughs> Actually, I don't think she feels it. I just don't like trying new foods. Sorry, Sydney. (laughs) I don't know if you like pickles or not. (laughs) Welcome to Opinions That No One Asked For, or Ought No. My name is McKay. And I... (laughs) Can we redo that? You don't like my dramatic (laughs) Ought No? And I, Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> this is the show where two very unqualified people sit down and talk about how mm. they feel about random things. Um, Indeed. From movies to non-movies. And that's just about all the things that exist. <laughs> <laughs> We're just on one today. We're yeah, killing it. Yeah, this is good. Um, so... Today, a little bit later on, we're going to talk about Tenet. I just saw Tenet a couple weeks ago. Week we, and a half ago. we just saw Tenet. That's true. We saw it together, but it was your what? Third time? Third time. Yeah. We'll talk a little bit about how we're feeling about Tenet. Spoiler free, of course. We'll give it Hopefully. a few months before we dive into the spoilers. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> then we're going to talk about a new podcast I found this week called The Bright Sessions. So Mm-mm-mm. it's super, super Scrumptious. interesting. Yeah. Very interesting premise. I'm excited. Definitely worth sticking around for. I hope you're excited. You you have to stay here <laughs> by law. Or I won't release your family. Dang it. Um, <laughs> but how was your Thanksgiving? We kind of had some plans change. My family was supposed to come up here yeah. for Thanksgiving. Because they live um, like a thousand miles away. Yep. They live in California. Yeah. And we are in an undisclosed location. You <laughs> don't. <laughs> but uh, they're going to come up here. But then um, they got exposed to the virus. My aunt actually got it. It's been hard. Oh, really? And so pretty crazy but yeah. um so fortunately we weren't able to come out here but i have some extended family here so i'm able to spend time with them and Good. um that was really nice thank you to my family for taking me in yeah but how was how was yours though other than homework yeah it was good it was fun i went down to arizona the weather was so much better than up here it's freezing here it's way and cold it's like it's like yeah. 28 today or something oh, supposed gross. to or on monday supposed to get there yeah Ignorance is bliss. I don't even check the weather. I'm gonna tell myself it's it's cold, degrees. just yeah. like straight up. But yeah, Arizona. It's like Christmas time. The weather down there is like fall in most normal places. Like it feels like a. Perfect, what does it get to? Like it feels like a perfect fall day. It's like high of sixty. 60 yeah, and we were outside mm-hmm. the whole weekend just playing games and stuff. Beautiful. It was way fun. You played cornhole, right? That's what you said. Oh, I played a lot. Of Dude, cornhole. cornhole is so much fun. Okay, I don't know what it is. Like when I was in high school, I played football i did track i don't know your standard sports but now that i'm not in as good of shape four years later i'm getting my midlife crisis at 23 like bowling and and cornhole are my go-tos this is so (laughs) freaking fun 
as a kid, I would have laughed at someone who was like really into bowling and cool, yeah, yeah. But they're so fun. I feel like as you age, you kind of appreciate the simple. Yeah, maybe, or maybe I'm like games. I've overcome the stigma of old middle-aged guys playing cornhole. Probably that too. Yeah, for sure. Bowling, and it's just like I don't know. There's something really satisfying, especially with. Cornhole is easy because it's free. Bowling is a little bit harder because you have to pay for it. But like, so satisfying to watch the beanbag. Well, just sitting there, go just into going the over hole. and over again, and like, yeah. you can just do like a thousand reps, and like you don't feel that tired. Like, true, you, true. You feel good. You can see your progress as you go. I think it's only too with you know you're not really gonna get people that are like super good at it. It's yeah. just like we're all basically That's at the true. same level. Yeah, and like it's fun for everybody. Yeah, like. I feel like bowling more so, you'll find someone every once in a while that can bowl like a 180 consistently. But most of the time, and especially with cornhole, most people are mediocre. <laughs> yeah. You um, suck though. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, but we don't want to hang out. <laughs> but yeah, it's like most people are mediocre. So it's fun because everyone's kind of on the same playing field. I don't know. Totally, totally. Yeah, I agree with that. Cornhole is fun. It's a good time. My family likes it a lot. Yeah. So I'm glad that you were. Uh, able to do that where your things yeah. break i know we, my family we kind of got on the cornhole like caught the bug like a year <laughs> ago and so my dad now owns two cornhole sets oh so shoot. you can have different like materials to throw off of one of them's plastic one of them's wood Interesting. because the game is completely different because the <laughs> there's a different bounce when it hits a different slide okay. We have two different sets of bags i've got an uncle that made his own set since we really got this. His, so you guys are like going yeah. all so out we get for together this. as a family we'd have three cornhole things going sheesh it's great it's way fun what's like the main between the wood and the plastic i'm very curious so, all right give me get the into, details so please plastic, if you hit the front like six inches of the board it's gonna bounce like no other yeah and it's really hard to get, i've experienced that myself yeah it's very hard to get a consistent slide up into the hole because ideally you want to get kind of an even throw towards the bottom of the board and slide it up into the hole. Mm. You have more, higher probability of success. Okay. Um, Do you look that, this up or is this no? This is based experience. Off experience. Okay. Because the the other alternative is you have to air mail it, which means you need to basically swish it into the swish. hole, which is yeah. That's my technique. Very satisfying, but a lot harder to do consistently. Yes, agreed. So with the wood, it doesn't bounce, but it's more slippery. So it's almost so like, too much. It'll the other slide way. quickly. Or yeah. Like... So if you're not on point with your accuracy, it'll slide straight past oh, the hole and slide off the interesting. bat. Interesting. So the benefit of the plastic is that when it slides, it has more traction. It'll stop, and that gives you a point for being on the board. Mm-hmm. Wood, it's easier to slide oh, it into the oh. hole, but harder to keep it on the board. Anyway, interesting. That's just between the two boards that we play. So potentially with. higher points with the wood. Yes, but plastic's easier to get any points at all because okay. you can always get it on. Got it. But I don't know. Like that might just be like the glossy paint that we have on our wooden cornhole versus be. the kind of plastic we have. You know, if there's anything that the people listening to our podcast have probably been thinking since they started listening is that they really want a full episode deep dive into the history of cornhole and where it's headed. Definitely. I think so. we should do that. I'm down. Yeah. I know you guys are down, my little nofers. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly <laughs> what you're asking us for. That's what you're sitting home. Anyway, so yeah, I play a lot of cornhole. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> So Wait, did you beat your brother in uh, FIFA? Oh, no. We didn't even play. I'm so, he's, oh, really? He's so good. Yeah. You just like, it wasn't even and worth then it. And I tried playing him in Rocket League, which is like unto FIFA, but with cars. He okay, yes. Yeah. I thought I had a chance on that game. Not a, not a <laughs> prayer. He's way too good. Someday I'll find a video game I'm better than him at. But. Tetris? Maybe maybe like Super Mario Sunshine because he doesn't <laughs> care about it. So Another one with a jetpack? Yeah, mm. the water jetpack. Big throw. So, it's also not a multiplayer game, so I would be <laughs> him in it. <laughs> Really you suck work. at this game yeah, <laughs> it's alright he's more naturally gifted at basically everything so I have to live vicariously through my younger siblings successes 
something that we got to do before you left for Arizona. Uh, we went and saw Tenet. Yeah. In IMAX. And, okay, so it was my third time seeing the film. Right. Second time in IMAX. And I got to see it in, like, regular, normal theater. It was, like, wasn't the same. The, yeah, the, the theater of the proletariat. <laughs> but, like, it made such a difference, actually. Like, one, it's filmed with IMAX film. Okay. Um, and it's the sound and everything. And with the IMAX experience, just makes it so much better. Okay, so I, up until the last six months, I had never seen an IMAX movie besides the Frozen sing-along I saw in 2014. You saw that in IMAX? I did see it in IMAX. Also the day of my first kiss. Gosh. What? <laughs> story for another time. I forgot about that. <laughs> um, anyways, but you can imagine Frozen doesn't have quite the uh, IMAX immersive experience. I'm sure Let It Go was insane. It was wild. But it's hard to go to a sing-along when there's only three people in the theater and no one wants to sing because every song is a solo. So I went and saw, what did I see? I went and saw Interstellar and IMAX this oh, summer. Because they, they were bringing back a lot of old movies trying to get people to the theaters. Yeah, yeah. And it was nice because, and same with Tenet, so few people are going that you can still be pretty safe as far as COVID-19 mm-hmm. precautions. Yeah. Um, as far as staying away from people and disinfecting and stuff. And with both Interstellar and Tenet, maybe this isn't a good like sample size because they're both Christopher Nolan films, mm-hmm. but I felt like the audio mixing in IMAX was... Not as good as in normal movies. We can, I complained to you about this after we watched the movie. But it's like, I just feel like the bass is too loud. Yeah. I think that's like a common thing for Christopher Nolan movies. Like, it's true. Usually when they come out, everyone's like, it was too loud. I couldn't hear what they but were I saying. Did, but I mean, like, I saw Interstellar normally the first time. I didn't mm-hmm. have that issue. It's yeah. Like IMAX probably just exacerbates the issue. It, but it's like, I, I yeah, it does. Because the second time I watched it, it wasn't IMAX. I can hear them so much totally better. Fun. And I also yeah. was like... One, two, there's so much going on in the movie yeah. that you have to process and keep up with. The time will be easier no matter That's what. like you, it's hard to focus on their words because you're right. just like taking it all in. And I think something to that he repeatedly says is that he wants it, that people just to go in and just like enjoy the experience the first time. Okay, so he, he's intending his movies to be rewatched. I think to a degree, I think he, like, he wants you to watch it, but I think yeah. he. He wants it first and foremost to be an experience in the theaters. Yeah, it'll be an entertaining experience, but they like there will be value to seeing it a second to, time. Yeah, because yeah, you have like awesome. you got like nitpick it, and, like figure yeah, out all the little so details. And I think it's kind of cool because he he's so into like just the experience of going to theaters. Right. Like everything is shot to be so big. And it's like kind of insane. Like yeah. visually, it's it's a lot to take. Yeah, in. yeah. It's more of an experience. Like it's not meant for direct to TV. Mm-hmm. But then, like on top of like just the visual and the action, there's so much depth to yeah. the movie and yeah. to the movies that he's done. And so I think he does intend it in a way. But he also like if you're just going for a one time, so whatever, like you're gonna it's enjoy like, it. It's gonna yeah. be fun. Yeah, it's gonna to be good. watch. You're gonna be confused so, probably, but it'll be fun. So here's my thoughts on Tenet. Then, as someone who's seen it once, we can have to go. I think that. It is because Interstellar is one of my favorite movies of all time. That's another Christopher Nolan movie. I think that where Interstellar I think is better than Tenet for me as of right now at least is I think Interstellar really nails the cross between like a really compelling premise and a really good writing as well as like a really powerful emotional through line of the relationship between Murph and Matthew McConaughey whose name I don't remember. Just Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, he's always just Matthew McConaughey, dad. man. <laughs> he's he's dad. <laughs> but yeah, I think like one of the 
most amazing parts of Interstellar is sorry, this is not spoiler free. It's been out for like five years. When he's at the end, he's in the test rack. He's screaming for Murph to not let him leave or whatever. It's stay, make him stay, Murph, make him stay. It's so good. It's so good. And it's like I almost like kind of teared up about it a little bit talking about. Oh right no, now. for sure. Yeah, it's so good. And ten, Tenet, I think, kind of swung a little bit the other direction where there's not as powerful of an emotional connection they do the kind of they have a, a storyline with a woman and her son yeah not gonna spoil anything but like there is an emotional uh storyline there that is compelling but it's, but it's not like focused on and you're not you don't yeah, truly feel yeah. that you're not yeah you're not getting punched in the heart with the the dynamics of someone leaving their daughter on earth for 10 years not thinking they're ever going to see her again trying yeah. to save the world you know that kind of oh that, dude that, that one shot where he's driving away oh my gosh that and, like, crying freaking and, like wrecks it's me. the countdown yeah oh. That is so Kills good. Stop! Time. I gotta watch it again. <laughs> but yeah, Tenet is. They, I think, went deeper into a more complex premise. Yeah, and it's more interesting. It's crazy to think that could get even deeper. Yeah, than, than Interstellar. Interstellar. And I think I'll probably be rewatching Tenet more because I want to understand. But it's super interesting and complicated, and a lot of the main plot points are determined by this premise of the way time is manipulated. Mm-hmm. And so I think I'll watch it again for that. But I won't be crying the way I do when, when I Matthew McConaughey. That was honestly my first time watching it. That was probably the hardest thing for me. Yeah, because I'm used to you know, like movies like Inception and Interstellar. They're very emotional. Yeah, there's like a big emotional aspect to yeah. it, which I love. You yeah, know, it's kind of like a complete movie, and I, I think Tenet. I can't say too much without giving spoilers but i figured out why it might be that way because i might be like talking to my friends like i really and like the movie was insane yeah like the movie is just crazy and you're watching it like the first time i was watching i was just laughing half the time like this is nuts yeah this is wild this is like so 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 nolan yeah and i was like i was like laughing like he would totally do this like this is awesome classic chris oh chris you did it again (laughs) (laughs) but it was just like it was just crazy and i was like this is so sick and afterwards i was like i didn't like feel an emotional pull yeah to it but like i knew the circumstances were intense and it's so interesting yeah yeah it's It's just like you're so fascinated by like this world and like these possibilities yeah and you're trying to keep up with it like okay yeah you're you're basically thinking in a different way right to accept this reality that he's created and so i think that emotional aspect was kind of taken out well, the way i felt when i watched it is i mean this summer we watched a lot of movies stuck at home a lot yeah michelle and i watched all of the daniel craig james bond movies and all the mission impossible movies and all the marvel movies and all the star wars movies but those are not related Jeez. yeah we watched a lot of movies <laughs> we watch movies like every night who did it though who did it yeah 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 thank you thank you <laughs> I um, read lots of books. <laughs> I actually did read a lot of books. This I did too. too. Yeah. Well, the way I felt when this movie was over is it kind of had that similar feeling to the end of like an Ethan Hunt Mission Impossible movie mm-hmm. or the Daniel Craig movies where it feels like it's like I want more movies about it. Definitely. And I know Chris, I haven't read specifically what he said about this movie, but I know Christopher Nolan doesn't usually write for sequels. Like even with the Batman no. movies, he wrote Batman Begins planning on it being a standalone and then yeah. they, they pushed him to make more movies and they ended up being awesome too and Tenet could stand by itself but like I really want another Tenet movie they didn't dive very much into the main character who they don't did they ever give his name in the movie no they don't yeah that's what I'm saying they don't delve into him hardly at all which is not gonna spoil anything but that's his a, character is so sick though yeah it's a Just really like big part John David of Washington alone like that dude is so cool yeah 
So I wonder, I just wonder if they, if he is planning on leaving this movie alone and letting some of the ambiguous questions asked at the very end of the movie stand, because they're, they're very interesting and very good. Or if he's going to dive, because they could, I feel like they could very easily write a really good sequel that could also be a prequel to this movie. That's probably the closest I'll come to a real spoiler, I think. Um, (laughs) Dude, honestly, okay, I don't think he will. Yeah. Just because he doesn't really yeah, that's do that. True. Same with I think he likes yeah. it to just stand alone and be its own thing. True. Because like I've always wanted a sequel to Inception. Like, uh, okay. What if it was a nightmare? Yeah. Which I guess yeah. originally that's what he wanted to do. Oh. Which would be like nuts. But I don't know. I feel like a sequel. There's a lot of pressure to keep up with it. Sure. And I kind of it's kind of nice. I think in a world where we're given so much information. Yeah. And like easy access to these answers. It's nice to have a standalone movie that we get to think and Just ponder let it sit. on yeah, and like, discuss. Leave those questions unanswered. Because like after like, every time I've seen it afterwards, I'm like talking with my friends who I've seen it with, dissecting and trying to figure it out. And it's so cool to have that instead of just having something kind of just right. given to us. Like oh, and here's like five million other movies yeah, so along yeah. with this, so we can make more money off yeah, of you. It's like totally. I think this movie more so than any other Christopher Nolan movie I've seen, save except for maybe Batman. I feel like it leaves a lot of room for a good sequel. Because I think Inception... I can see that, yeah. I, th- I think with Inception or Interstellar, like, in order for them to make a second movie, they'd have to make some pretty hefty plot decisions as far as, like, expanding. Sure. Whereas this one, there's implied stories that we haven't learned about that they mention, like, in the movie, talking about what happens before and what happens after, mm-hmm. that they could depict and we would love. But I agree. I think that I, I'm not... I wouldn't be upset if they don't. And I also think that it did so poorly in the box office... Just because of COVID nineteen, not because of the movie itself, but and this is not in any ways comprehensive. But when movies n- hit it out of the park opening weekend in the box office, mm. executives are really likely to sign on for a sequel really soon. Totally. Whereas Tenet, because of COVID nineteen and because maybe it got released too early and people weren't ready to go back to theaters, it at least I, I don't know long term, but I know at least like that opening weekend, it totally flopped. It made like. 10% of its production budget that opening weekend like yeah. globally and so that would make me think that oh like usually they make it back like in that week yeah especially Christopher Nolan movies are normally like breaking records totally. Interstellar was like I remember it just mind blowing how much money it made that was pre-end game but back when we had lower expectations of movie success but I could be I could see that like these companies might be hesitant to sign up for a second tenant movie one because the first one is pretty confusing and like they want to cater to the lowest common denominator as far as movie goers mm. but also they're worried about making their money back because it was it took it cost them like so much money to make this movie yeah I think what's cool though too with like Christopher Nolan like with tenant is that you have I think he like proves that it doesn't have to be that way yeah it's like we don't have to make kind of mindless films or it's true films are just gonna make money it's like we can actually make something that is enjoyable and also very thought-provoking and still have it be a success right and like for me it's like very hopeful totally to see movies that make you think and are intelligent and don't treat you as if you're an idiot and can predict the end of the movie because you could never predict like my wife and i play this game a lot where we watch movies and we like predict what's going to happen next or how the movie's going to end because mm-hmm. 99% of movies follow the similar storytelling tropes that you can predict what's going to happen. Yes. But this, like these movies, you cannot possibly predict what's going to happen. Tenet, Interstellar, Inception, like they keep you guessing, but in a still a familiarly comforting like storytelling pattern that still mm-hmm. compels and engages you, but doesn't let you know what's going to happen. Yeah. 
Yeah, he definitely has kind of his format. Yeah, I'd say. So like, I'm obviously I'm a pretty big fan of his work, and so like the first time I was watching, I was like, oh, like he started it right. Like he, like I kind of like got yeah. what's going on. Yeah, but just like the subject matter and the, uh, you know, the difference in time usage and you yeah, because that's his thing. Like he's gonna manipulate time in right. a way that's gonna be a constraint or a you know a, like a driving force for the plot. Yeah, yeah. Big fan, highly re- recommend. Support Such your local movie, movie theaters. Save them. Yeah, I like. Don't honestly. Don't, don't break social distancing. I mean, wear your mask. Yeah, wear your mask. But for me, I just kind of realized when I saw Inception end of summer in the theaters again. So we're playing kind of what you did with Interstellar. Right. And I was watching Inception's my favorite movie. I think hmm. I'd say kind of goes that. back and forth with Interstellar. Okay. And. La La Land. <laughs> yeah. I love La La Land. La Land is way good. Um, but those are probably like my top three. And okay. Tenet is there too for sure. But I was just, I saw Inception and I was like, this is way different than watching it in my apartment. Yeah. yeah. On my TV. You forget how much of a better like experience theaters, it is to see it. There. Yeah. It's, it's completely different. Yeah. And yeah. so with, you know, the possibility of theaters closing down or not being able to go to a theater again for a while, I was like, I want to make sure that I take this experience to watch such a awesome movie right that's like meant to be seen in imax like on the big screen and i just don't want to take the opportunity so i'm like i'm okay with seeing it at the time because like i might not ever have this yeah again. i might not be in theaters again yeah that's true i was i've been learning about like modern art and art history and i've been looking at barnett newman have you looked at his stuff at all uh i've heard of him i don't know his stuff too much so his whole thing is like the zip is what he calls these lines okay it's basically like a ginormous canvas. Like some of his are like 30 feet wide. Really? Enormous. And Jeez. usually like seven or eight feet tall. And it's often just a plain color and maybe a color gradient. So the one I'm looking at is called One Mint Six, part of a series. And it's just a giant um, kind of royal blue panel. It's probably 10 feet wide, seven feet tall. And then right in the middle is just a white line straight down mm. the middle. And that's it. And I've had my fair share of hatred towards modern art and how overly simple it seems. But like I've this this painting for some reason is really connected with me. Just the fact that like the the painting it like it seems meaningless, like just one line, mm-hmm. but like the fact that the painting is defined by this line. Yeah. Like the line it gives it context. The division the line divides it in half. And so the line is simultaneously dividing the painting but also unifying it. Because without that line, you there would be nothing to be unified in the first place. It would just be a blue panel. Interesting. And it also kind of goes into... I mean, this is part of an abstract expressionist movement where the creation of the painting is as important as the painting itself. Anyways, how this connects to Tenet is that I was like, oh man, I would love to get a print of this like, and just like put it up. But it, I, I was thinking, like, there's no way this would be nearly as meaningful in a different scale than the scale he painted it in. Mm. Like, I would love to I get, get a, yeah, I would love to get a print of this, but a print of this would probably at most be like three feet wide, you know, and that'd be kind of big. And honestly, to put a print three feet wide in the house, yeah. but like, I would want to experience this the way he created it, which is this massive canvas that dwarfs you and leads you to feel very different emotions than you would feel mm. like right now looking at it, a Google image search. Anyway, so that's kind of kind of expected. Tenet is it's like you got to take the chances you can get to experience it the way it was designed to be experienced. Because like I'll I'll only probably ever experience this art piece in its original intended size if I go and see it in the Museum of Modern Art in mm-hmm. New York City. And Tenet, it's like it's only going to be in theaters for so long, so we got to soak it take in. Take the opportunity. There's, there's definitely something to be said about going, like physically going there and experiencing it. And 
Um, yeah, I would recommend going if you can. Yeah. Um, it should come out on DVD soon, actually. I think next week DVD? it comes out. Or Blu-ray, You mean sorry. those things my grandma uses? <laughs> NPHS. If Put it lucky. on. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on Netflix or I won't watch it. <laughs> so. Just kidding. It'll probably be on Amazon Prime for like 30 bucks to rent. Hopefully that will be on my, in my stocking this year, mom. <laughs> or Santa. <laughs> Santa? You mean? Santa. listen to the bright sessions podcast and i told you about it and so you listened to a little bit of it recently too so just kind of an idea of what it is it's a like a scripted fictional podcast so scripted fiction is like tv like anything you know it's you have what you have voice <laughs> actors reading a script right it's a it's it's yeah. written out whereas a lot of podcasts like this one are improvisational or it's just people talking and so it's about i mean i've only listened to the first five episodes you listen to a couple at least from what I understand, it's essentially kids that have superpowers or superpower is kind of like a cartoonish way to look at it, but just like extra abilities, whatever. Think X-Men, but maybe a little bit more psychological. And the framing of the podcast is they're going to therapy with Dr. Bright. That's what they call the Bright Sessions. And so each episode, yeah, each episode is a therapy session with this doctor. Um, so what did you think? What are your thoughts about it? After it was really cool. Um, I listened to two therapy sessions with the same person. I guess like with the show, there's multiple patients. Yeah, you did it kind of unorthodox because it's like yeah, a narrative. I didn't go in order. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry. So you listen, it's whatever. You listen to what, episode one and then like four? Yes. Right? So those are the girl with Sam. Sam. Yeah. Sam yeah. was the person I was listening in on. Um, I thought it was really interesting. One, the scenario was crazy. Basically, yeah. this this lady time travels. Yeah, it's kind of like those uh, like doctor shows, where like these insane medical problems. Right. You're like, oh, this dude has a hand in his leg, and like, <laughs> need to fix that. I I totally remember that episode <laughs> of that show where the hand was in the leg. <laughs> but just like. <laughs> it's kind of like wild stuff like that that you don't think about. Sure. You're like, wow, someone could time travel. Yeah, to, to frame it as not them going and saving the day, but them going to therapy to get an understanding of their situation is super interesting. Premise. Yeah. So yeah. basically, like, this this lady, she comes in. I guess the Dr. Bright sent like, an ad in the paper saying, sure. for yeah. if you have any weird or unusual things, you can come see me. And so this lady comes in and she's very anxious to begin with and kind of sporadic with her speech and so you kind of already feel a little bit uneasy um and then as she goes on she's like why are you here like how'd you find me and she always like out in the paper and she gets a little bit more and more anxious and you're like oh i was like on the edge like yeah, oh, yeah. this like, does not feel good um and then she like finally admits that like, i time travel yeah and she's like oh tell me about it and, and she like tells her experiences and then she she gets like super more and more anxious. Honestly, I was getting nauseous like, right. listening to it. Yeah. 
because she went into her situation of time traveling basically she would pass not pass out but she just get transported to a different time and she had no control over when that happened or where she went or when she went (laughs) yeah yeah to what time i guess yeah um and just like that that lack of control was just like very unsettling you can just feel that in her voice and you're just like i was i was feeling nauseous yeah and i think what makes this show so interesting to me is that like it's just a really good writing depicting mm-hmm. mental health yeah like, i was the, like crazy like the emotional engagement i felt with it yeah like, it's really blew me well it's like wow like i'm really feeling this yeah so like with this girl essentially what they figure out through the course of this session with their therapist is that what's been happening is that she spontaneously time travels and she doesn't know when or where she's going to go. She doesn't know when it's going to happen. And she Mm -hmm. like disappears from where she is in the room until she comes back. Yeah. And what they discover is that it's an anxiety related disorder. Mm -hmm. And so essentially it's when she's having a panic attack, she time travels and like her fear of time traveling in front of somebody has led her to live a very reclusive life. She lives by herself. She's afraid to ever spend time with anyone in in public, Mm -hmm. but she, so she feels like she doesn't exist in real life, but when she time travels, she also doesn't have like a corporeal form there. Like she can't interact with her surroundings. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. It's a really cool analogy for me for mental illness and anxiety and feeling invisible and like you can't actually alter or change anything about your surroundings and i don't know i I, lack of control yeah i think that's what sets this podcast at least so far and what we've listened to apart from these other like you know crazy diagnostic doctor shows and those sorts of things is that it's almost like they're using these superhuman abilities as a frame in which to really hit into the emotional core of what it's like living with mental illness Mm -hmm. I think everybody experiences mental illness related things at one point or another like get a glimpse into what that's like and i think for me listening to that and one way like relating to it a little yeah. bit is like oh shoot like, this feeling is awful and like it made me nauseous right and i was like oh like i hate this feeling and yeah you feel for those people and you catch a glimpse into like what it's like or you remember if you have it and for me what was really cool was listening to dr bryce the therapist her responses and her questions yeah for me as somebody who could potentially help people or if i'm dealing with it myself or whatever yeah. it's it's interesting to want to hear questions or ways i could react to people sharing these experiences with me so i can be better prepared and also kind of if i am experiencing a mental illness or related stress or whatever kind of like reframing my ideas or questions towards it so i can better deal with it myself in yeah. the future so it's like a very good premise to learn about mental health and how to like communicate about it yeah i maybe disagree with you a little bit i feel like well no i don't disagree i do agree okay, that good. <laughs> yeah, we will never disagree i do agree that almost everyone interacts with mental illness at some point yeah. in their life you know either they experience it themselves or someone close to them but i think the majority of people i'd say don't know that that's what they're experiencing or seeing mm, yeah and i think as someone who like i've had experiences of mental illness people very close to me have struggled with mental illness and it is something that is so easy to write off you know yeah. it's it's these are sicknesses like that you can't up, see like, yeah deal with it yeah and it's almost kind of a generational thing i think our generation has had so much more exposure to 
the symptoms and the diagnosis of mental illness, whereas generations past to them, it's often just seen as hysteria or just like not being able to handle your emotions. Right. And so they say, just like deal with it and figure it out. I think something too with you know, our generation is like we we have labeled things and we yeah. like we're more open. Yeah, we're so at talking the forefront like, of the. There progress. are these things that we experience in life, and I think just understanding that is like we do feel these things, we do experience this, yeah. and that's okay. And we can talk about it and we can get through it together. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think a podcast like this and there are a lot, there are numerous other examples of media. It's kind of an example to me of the value that media can have in society is that it allows people to feel emotions that they couldn't feel in their life otherwise. So definitely like we both, I feel like have a good understanding of what anxiety feels like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know people in my life that have never personally dealt with anxiety at least not, I mean, everyone has like anxiety, like anxiousness in some part mm-hmm. of their lives, yeah. but, but a lot of people have never felt it in a clinical sense, you know, they never felt real and crippling anxiety. And so I think something like this allows someone to listen and to feel that tension and that stress and that frustration that comes almost out of nowhere and for no reason and you can't control it. I think good writing like this and good acting um, and actually, the girl that plays Sam is Lauren Chip, and she's actually the lady that wrote the whole show, which makes oh, it even wow. cooler. Yeah. It allows people to empathize in ways they wouldn't be able to otherwise. Like, I almost want to send this podcast to people I know and just show them, like, hey, like, it is framed fictionally. It's framed like superpowers, but, like, the emotions that these people feel are what people with mental illness feel. And this will, I don't know, because the episode two is about a guy named Caleb and his power is that he's an empath. So he feels everyone's emotions that are around him. Interesting. It's, it's interesting to hear him. He's like a high school kid. He's stressed. He's to hear how he deals with having to confront like the, the person who he's feeling the emotions for most is this kid who has really bad depression in his class. Okay. And it's like, does he like take on the emotions? Yeah, so he goes into class and happening? he gets really mad because he feels super sad and overwhelmed for no reason. Okay. And it's really cool because it's like that's what it feels like. That's what depression is, is you're sad and overwhelmed and crushed with no discernible cause mm. and it, it it especially clinical depression. Um and yeah. so it's it's cool to me that this podcast is just an example of how media can allow someone to put themselves in someone's shoes. And I don't know, it'll spread empathy and, and it allows me to empathize better with people that I know that are dealing with those things. For sure, yeah. And kind of going back to what I was saying, like, um, you know, listening to the patients express what they're going through, it's very eye opening. And it's like, okay, that could be relatable or this could relate to this person that I know. And hearing, like, how does the doctor work with them? How does, yeah, yeah. how are the questions to ask? And, like, I think understanding that narrative and these conversations is important for us to want to empathize because something that she said, like she's telling her problems, like I time travel and everything. She's like, I don't think you're crazy. It was very validating yeah. to her. Like yeah. you do experience this. Like this is something that you are truly yeah, your going issues through. are real. Yeah. Like, this is real, you know, for you. Yeah. And that was like so cool to hear. And it's like, okay, like we should be validating to other people. Yeah. And yeah. Eventually like, and then she like comes around towards the end, like, you do have this and we can get through this and overcome this. Yeah. And it's like that validation to being like, Hey, we need to confront this. I was like a very cool process to hear and kind of think about working with other people. It's like, you need to validate them and how they're feeling, but then you need to ask questions and be sincere about it. And then you need to help them and find ways to overcome and understand. There's nothing more devastating than 
finally, especially when you're in, when you're in this situation and you're dealing with mental illness or just any sort of huge internal struggle, there's nothing more devastating than coming to someone and finally mustering up the guts to express to them how you're feeling mm-hmm. and having them invalidate your feelings and yeah. say like, oh, like you shouldn't feel that way. Like, why do you feel sad? You have such a good life. Why would you be depressed? You have a good job and friends and a happy family. Or why do you feel anxious? Like, it's going to be fine. Like, we know it's going to be fine. You shouldn't feel stressed about it. There's nothing more devastating to someone than to say something like that. Like, validation is such a powerful force for good. And and empathy is hard because you haven't felt everything that everyone else has felt. Mm -hmm. You know, I haven't experienced every mental illness. But you can validate someone and you can listen. And that is empathy. Because you're not... You know, saying like, oh, I know exactly how you feel and it's not that bad and you should get over it. You're saying your issues are real and I'm here to be there alongside you. And this podcast is cool. And I mean, I think that this topic extends past mental illness. I think this year especially is a good example of how entertainment and media can help us empathize with groups that we aren't otherwise a part of. Race is a big part of that. Um, The one that comes to mind immediately, I don't know if you've watched the Netflix special When They See Us. I have not. It's about the Central Park Five. I want to say it was like the 90s. Um, It's like five kids that got picked up by cops and were accused of raping this white woman that was jogging through Central Park. Yeah, I've heard of this, yeah. It was a big deal in the media at the time. I obviously wasn't around, but um, prominent figures came out for and against these five kids. Mm -hmm. And it came out years later that they were all innocent. None of them had been involved with it. But Mm -hmm. anyways, watching that show... and obviously it's not a perfect perspective like these are filmmakers trying to push a a certain understanding of the situation so you have to understand that but watching that it was physically painful for me to watch that show i didn't i honestly didn't finish it because i was so uncomfortable because watching the the way it felt for these kids to be interrogated by these you know middle-aged white police officers that obviously want them to confess to a crime that didn't commit Mm -hmm. the pressure they put on them and the way they're treated it made me feel a, a level of uncomfort uh, that I haven't felt before while watching a movie. And that's just an example, but there's just so many pieces of media that allow us to empathize more with these groups that we're not a part of. I, I am a middle-class, white, heterosexual, male. I'm not really a part of any marginalized group, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I statistically am part of the majority in basically every way that I could be. And so it's only through like literature and movies and, you know, podcasts and hearing these stories told fictionally or otherwise that I can learn empathy for these people and learn what it feels like for them and how I can use the position that I've been put in in life, like the privileges I've been given to help these people have better lives, I guess. Mm, Yeah. I think that's a huge thing of art. The things that connect with you emotionally or teach you, I think you can learn someone's perspective and experience yeah. through a piece of art or like whatever that might be, whatever format. Yeah. That's kind of what it's all about. I totally. mean, for, at least for me and there's definitely art that's just like fun and whatever, but that art is super impactful. And I think this year has been a good, you know, we've all been struggling in different ways and there was someone said, it's interesting to think that kind of when we, we've been going through these hard times, we've all turned to art in some way like whether that be books or movies or right gardening even like yeah it can play a huge role into helping others as well helping us to connect with one another and that's something i think is really important i I feel like we've we've become very divided this year as well totally but also at the same time we can be united through our art and our our shared experiences our shared our shared struggle with this year Mm 
it's just so important to build empathy for those around us. I feel like, I don't know. It's just a word that's been really top of mind for me for years. Just like such not, an encompassing word. Yeah. Like, not just feeling bad for someone, but being there alongside them and mm-hmm. feeling those emotions with them and allowing them to feel like cared for and felt in that way. Yeah. It's just important. I think that's why like there's obviously a lot of talk right now about diversity. A lot of people get frustrated when we push for the augmentation of diverse voices in media and movies, that sort of thing. Um, I know like the Oscars is an example where people have been really upset for a long time that Oscars almost always go to a bunch of middle-aged white dudes. I feel like there's definitely right and wrong ways to go about that. Sure. I think it's good that people are aware. Yeah. It's just, you, you need to hear stories that will allow you to empathize with different groups. Mm -hmm. You know, if you only ever hear stories from one group of people, that's the group of people you're going to empathize with. And while it's not to say that that group of people in this example, white men, you know, not to say that white men don't deserve empathy in any form, but it's not that we tear down our love for one group, but we build up our love for all groups. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Which like, you know, some people are going about it that way. Yeah. It's sad to see. It's just like, I think just understanding, like, we are all human, right? We are human. We share this experience of life together. Your voice is important. And that needs to be, like, the base of it all, I believe. And so, you know, lots of change going on with this. And I think kind of with the the format of this podcast that we're talking about is, like, just another way for us to better connect and um, understand each other and work with each other. Like, I don't just help each other out. Yeah. Spread love. And I think, too there's something to be said for like in the media that you consume kind of venturing into media that you wouldn't necessarily experience otherwise experimentation like for me i really just enjoy comedies most of the time you know like i don't always love sitting down and like having really heavy emotionally powerful movies and stuff at the end of the day when i'm trying to just like de-stress but venturing into different films and books and things that broaden my like capacity for compassion and allow me to hear voices that I wouldn't be exposed to. And understanding that not every voice is perfectly impartial and that there's bias and you have to kind of learn how to pull fact from fiction, you know, because you can't be swayed by every persuasive voice that you hear. But I think being exposed to those voices will give you more capacity for compassion and love and allow you to be more available to an understanding of someone's situation rather than always making the assumptions that you've had your whole life about them, about a certain group of people or about someone's experience. In the case of like mental health, you might mm-hmm. it'll stop you from making assumptions about what they're going through when there's a lot more understanding to be shared and there's a lot more love that can be shared with that person. Right, though. That's my rant. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. I also think that sometimes I pitch topics to you for us to talk about because I have like a rant built up inside me about it. And so then we inevitably end up having me rant for 10 minutes about what we're talking about. So it's okay. sorry, sorry about it. Oops, I made a podcast so I could rant. So, <laughs> oopsies. Thank you for listening to Opinions That No One Asked For or Otnof. Otnof is hosted by Jordan Sidrud and by me, McKay Menden, and I did the editing. Original music for this week's episode was done by Tyson Sidrud. If you like the show, tell someone you know about it. Every time you tell someone about the show, an angry old man who hates Christmas remembers how to love again. Make sure to check us out on social media, and we'll see you next week.